released from the law. This is the title of our message today. Today's message comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. 7, 1 through 6. Please rise for the reading of the Word of God. Romans chapter 7. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, If she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. This is the word of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray for... Illumination from God. Lord God, we ask for an increase in our knowledge and love for you. Lord God, illuminate our mind, heart, and entire being so that we might receive the message of your written word. We ask and we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now let me begin by introducing our message As I said earlier, the title of this message is Released from the Law. For the last two weeks, though, we were preaching, or I was preaching, from Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. The title of this message was Slaves to Righteousness. I show that in Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, describes Christians as slaves to righteousness. Why? Because we have been transformed into the image of our Lord Jesus. We saw that because we have been transformed into the image of our Lord Jesus by the Holy Spirit, we desire, by faith, perfect holiness. That is to be set apart from sinful humanity. And the full blessing, we also desire the full blessing of our Lord Jesus and to ultimately truly obey Jesus. 
As a result, we are changed creatures in Christ Jesus and are in a true state of blessedness. We desire to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our entire being, and with our strength. Today, I want to set out before you that in Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, describes the relationship of Christians to the law of God as one like a marriage. Because we were once joined to his law. This is the reason why. <clears throat> now, I want to give some background information on our text. Understand that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Being that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ, he is chosen by God to bring forth the message of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is believed that he wrote this text and wrote this letter, I should say, wrote this letter in the year A.D. 56 or 58, somewhere around that time, the approximate time of that. Uh, it was around that time, approximately. It's also believed that he wrote from Corinth. And it is clear he wrote to the people, the Christians who were in Rome. Now, these Christians, it's very likely that these Christians were at one time part of the Judaic religion, the Judaic religion or culture. And being that they were part of the Judaic culture or religion, they were very familiar with the law, the law of, that was given to the Jewish community, that is the descendants of Israel by Moses. It's important to understand this because we will see as time goes on, as we go through this message, the law released from the law, that's the title, is what Paul is focusing on. He's focusing on the purpose of the law. I'd like to also affirm the authority of the Word of God once again. This is the Word of God. This message is from God. It was written by Paul, but it's from God. Paul wrote as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he wrote that which God had given him. How can we fully understand all of this? Well, we can start by looking at the following points. Point number one. Because Christians were once joined to the law of God in a particular type of marriage, we have been placed in, under the full authority of the law outside of Christ. <clears throat> we have been placed under the full authority of his law outside of Christ. Point number two. Because Christians were once joined to the law of God in a type of marriage, in Christ Jesus we have now been separated from union to the law of God. We have, I'm sorry, we have been 
separated from union to the law of God. <clears throat> because Christians were once joined to the law of God in a marital type of relationship, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have begun to truly love the Lord our God and other people. Now, let's move on to point number one. Let's take point number one off the shelf and let's look at point number one for a minute. Let's try to untangle this, this, uh, these points that I've just described to you. Point number one. I said earlier, because Christians, so we're talking about Christians, right? Were once joined to what? To the law of God. How? In a particular type of marriage. It's a type of marriage. It's, we have been placed under the full under the full authority of his law outside of Christ. Now I'd like to begin by first defining marriage. Let's define marriage first of all according to God's standard. We want to define marriage according to the way God sees it, the way God has established it, not see it so much as the way God has established it. And God has established marriage. You gotta understand, God established marriage way in the beginning. He established it in the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. Marriage, it is clear, according to God's description, is between one man and one woman. One man and one woman. The man, it is, is to have one woman. Not two, not three, not four or five, but just one. It is clear that in the garden, in the, in the, in, in, in the beginning, in the garden, in paradise, there was we uh, we see the first divorce, the first divorce, and that that was between Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, that is, transgressed His law, disobeyed that which He had required of them and told them to do, immediately they hid themselves, and they immediately saw that they had done something seriously wrong and if it were not for God to come in on the scene and reunite them they would have not only ran from God they would have ran from one another that's how bad the sin was it corrupted their their ideal their vision their thoughts and it, it corrupted everything about them as far as how to be right with God and how not only to be right with God, but how to be right with one another. And that is, again, in union with one another in marriage. So God came in on the scene. He reconciled the two. And he brought them back together. And that, from that point on, it was clear that God had established marriage as, as between one man and one woman. The man was to be the head of the woman. God has established in the relationship that the man would be the head of the woman. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he's, he's smarter than she is or anything like that or more capable. That's not, it's not clear. 
I mean, that is clear that that's not the case. But it is clear that it is God's purpose that the man be the head. And, and his responsibility is to guard her, that is to protect her, to preach to her the gospel of Jesus Christ. To, that is what Paul talks about later on in the book of Ephesians, which is to cleanse her, as it were, with the reading of God's word. That is, he's to read to her. He's to protect her. That is, to guard, to guard her, uh, her, her heart, to keep her from going astray, as the first woman did. That was, that was Eve. That's his responsibility. His responsibility also is to love her, even as Christ loved the church. So as you can see, also you can see that Paul talks about that as well in Ephesians. The husband's role is very, very important. Now that is quite different from what we're used to in our society today. In our society, society today, the marriage relationship is easily broken. It could be broken as easily as just the woman deciding that she no longer loves the male or the, the husband and she can easily go down and get what is called a no-fault divorce. All she has to do is prove that she's been separated from him for at least a minimum of six months. I'm talking about here in California. Some laws, there are laws the laws vary throughout our, our country. But we need to understand that that is not God's will. It is clear in the Bible that God hates divorce. We see that in the Old Testament over in Malachi. God hates divorce. It's God's purpose that the man and the woman stay united in holy matrimony until death do them part. And that's what we see in our scripture here. We see that Paul talks about this. He touches on it and, and on some of the things that I've been speaking about. If you look at, your, at the text here at your Bible in Romans chapter 7, verse 2, he says here, For example, by law, a married woman is what? <clears throat> a married woman is bound. Say bound. Bound. Bound to who? To her husband. As long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. What does that mean? That means that, again, that God, it is God's purpose for the husband and wife to remain united together until death do them part. Especially in this case, the husband. The woman is not allowed to marry another man or to to engage in any sort of extramarital relationships as long as the man is alive. Now, Paul is using this as an example to show us how we're connected to the what? The law of God. And the same way that a, husband, a wife is connected to a husband in marriage, we're connected to the law of God, law of God in, in, in a union we are bound to the law. That is, we are up. This is the woman is up under the authority of the man, the headship of the man. And it's the man's responsibility to, the Bible says, rule over her. And what that means is that, it, again, is to, to guard her, to protect her, to, 
to lead her in the direction that they both should go to to do what Adam failed to do, right? To do what Adam failed to do, to do what Jesus Christ ultimately succeeded in doing, right? Jesus Christ succeeded in, in, in this. He he succeeded in doing what all God had planned and purposed in the very beginning. And that is to what? Obey him. In the same way, we're to obey what? The law. We're to obey the law. The law was given to be obeyed. And if we fail to obey it, there will be consequences. God has said, he told Adam and Eve, he said, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you shall surely what? Die. Die. And they surely did die. They did not immediately die in the sense of uh, physically, but they certainly died spiritually. And not only did they die spiritually, meaning that they were separated from God. God cast them out of his presence. He cast them away from him, never to return. He, they also, their nature became corrupt. What do I mean by their nature became corrupt? That is that that which God had created as righteous and holy became what? Unrighteous and unholy. That is, they, they instead of being separated from sinful their, uh, the sinful desires, instead of the sinful, uh, sinful desires being separated from them, they now have the sinful desires. They can do nothing but sin. They desire nothing but to sin. They, they're in a place of depravity. They have, been, they have depraved themselves of all righteousness and holiness. That is the ability to do all that God had, had planned and purpose for them to do in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is very, very serious business here. And so this is why we are in a miserable state, such a miserable state. Every day we have to deal with the consequences of our first parents. We deal with it and we're reminded every time someone dies, every time someone comes even close to death because of sickness, because of cancer, because of whatever it may be, we're reminded once again of our what? Our sin against God. And understand that God's plan is to ultimately get us back right fully with him. And to ultimately cast and destroy death even itself. So let us not lose hope. Amen. So again, this is God's will. This is God's will for, for the married couple. And that is to be married to one another and to death do them part. And when it comes to the law of God, we have been in, a, in, in, a, in the same manner. We have been joined to the law of God and is we are to obey God's law perfectly. That includes not only doing what God has told us, but thinking what God has told us. We're to think in the, after the manner in which God has established as well. To fail to do God's law. Did you know that that's a sin too? Meaning that, for example, we know that if we 
do something wrong, say, for example, if we commit adultery, which he talks about here, right? Paul talks about the woman becoming an adulteress. Basically, he's talking about if she, if she commits adultery, that is, if she has extra, extra marital relationships, as far as sexual relationships outside of the marriage, she is now, she has now become an adulteress. That's, she's actually, that's, that's called the, the sin of commission. She's committed a sin. But, it's a sin of omission. That is failing to do what God has, 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 um, requires of us. That is not, will, not knowing. <laughs> we can sin against God and not even know it. The Bible says that we were, we are, we are, we were created or conceived, I should say. We were born and conceived in sin. We were born and conceived in sin. Did you know that? Again, that you, you, you know, you were, you had no control over that at that, that moment. But again, because of our first parents and because of what happened to them, because of their corrupt nature, God sees us in that same manner, that same light. That is, He sees us as conceived and born in sin. And so in a real way, as far as God is concerned, because He hates sin, and as I alluded to last week, he also hates the sinner. We are, in essence, born still, stillborn. We are, we are stillborn on a, when we, as soon as we're born, we are, we've come into the world stillborn. What, that, what do I mean by stillborn? It was good as dead. We as good as dead. Very tragic. Very tragic. But that's the reality. And that is the, that is the tragedy of sin. And that is why we are miserable. We should be miserable people because we know how, how deadly sin is and we know how it corrupt, has corrupted us. And this is why we, of all people, Christians, we want to be in Christ. We don't want to be outside of Christ, right? We want to be inside. We want to be in with Christ. We want to be united with Christ. One with him. Why? Because just as a branch of a fruit tree is cut off and cast aside, what happens to that branch after a while? It withers and eventually it what? Dies. It eventually dies. It's the same for the believer in Christ Jesus. We want to be always in Christ we want to be always in the will of God because that's where life is. Life begins for the Christian and ends in Christ Jesus. Amen? For the believer in Christ Jesus, it begins and ends in Christ Jesus. So, but outside of Christ, united to the law, the law acts as a what? schoolmaster and it teaches us how truly sinful we are did you understand that that is what the law does and that's why we don't we don't want to remain united to the law because the law acts as a taskmaster taskmaster as it were that is a as a slave master and he he continues to remind us and beat us down and beat us on the head and tell us how sinful we really are. We're going to find out, and, and, and next week, God willing, 
And as we move into the next chapter, which talks about law and sin, we're going to find out that it is the law. Because of the law, we know our sin. So don't get me wrong. The law is good. It is good. But it definitely makes us accountable unto God and shows us how truly sinful we are. Because every time we gaze into the law, we, we, we find out if we, really, if we really evaluate ourselves and we really look at the law of God, gaze into the law of God, as it were, and, and discover what we're really doing, and especially in the areas of, of being right with God, we'll soon find out we are truly sinful. We're truly wretched creatures, and we're in need of help, the help of God, the salvation of God, which only comes in Christ Jesus, right? Amen. All right, so that's point number one. Let's move on to point number two. Point number two, because Christians were once joined to the law of God in a type of marriage, in Christ Jesus, we have now been separated from the union to the law of God. So, we've been separated from the union to the law of God, where? In Christ Jesus. Now, let me describe how we have been separated from the union of the law of God. In Christ Jesus, in his life, when he walked the earth like we're doing even right now, he walked according to God's will. He walked according to God's will. That is, that he, he lived a life in perfect obedience unto God. And because he lived a life unto perfect obedience or imperfect obedience to God to a point of even death on the cross, God credits his life, his active obedience, his perfect obedience to who? Us. Christians, that's right. Because of his life, because of his perfect obedience to the law, the law has now been what? Fulfilled. It has been fulfilled. It has been, it has been fulfilled, meaning that God, when he gives the law, he expects for it to be obeyed. And when you perfectly obey God's law, God does what? He rewards you. Amen? He rewards you. And this is what he did for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's sort of like you children. When you do what your parents tell you, when you do what, what they tell you to do, oftentimes they do what? They reward you in some kind of way. Whether it be with a trophy or whether it be with, with uh, money, right? You guys like money, right, children? Children, you like money. You like to be rewarded with money, right? So you can take that and go spend it on something that you really want, right? That, so you like to be rewarded. Well, Jesus was rewarded for his behavior as well, for his obedience unto God. Amen? And so much so that even on the cross, even on the cross to a point of death, Jesus obeyed God. He submitted to the will of God to a point of death. And he even declared, even as he walked, and the, and the Bible describes, the, the, the evangelists, they, they describe in the um, New Testament, they describe him as one saying, often saying, I have come to do not my will, but who? 
the Father's wills. Who, whose will? The Father's will. That's what he was all about. Are you like that? Are you about the Father's will or are you about just your will? Are you about the Father's will that is in heaven being done on earth? Or are you about doing your will on earth? You need to ask yourself this from day to day. From day to day, I hope that you will join with me and, and, and pray. Lord God, I pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but your will. Father, I want, I want, I want so badly, Father, to have this brand new nice, nice toy, right? This nice toy, whatever the toy may be, I want it so badly. But you know what, Father? That toy might be bad for me. It might separate me from a perfect relationship with you. And if it does, not my will, Father, but your will be done. That's what I prefer, Father. Yes, Father, I like this individual. I like this individual a lot. And I hope this individual likes me. And yes, Father, I wouldn't even mind being with this individual in marriage. But again, Father, not my will be done. Your will be done. Because this person might separate me from you. And I don't ever want that. Do you want that? No, you don't want to be separated from God. Separation from God or outside of the will of God that is outside of Christ is what? Bad. Inside of Christ is what? Good, right? That's good. That's what we want. We want to be good. We want to be in. We want to be in good with the Father, right? You hear that a lot, right? Yeah. Do, do you ever tell anybody, "Hey, I'm in good with the Father," right? I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm right with God. Why? Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus, and I'm, I'm on, I'm on, a, I'm on, I'm on his, his. I'm in his book of life. My name is written. Did you know that? Listen, children, did you know that God has a book of life? You're, you know, you know. in so many ways, you hear about Santa Claus, right? He has a list of names, right? And he's checked. What does it go? He's, he's checking it twice to make sure if you're naughty or not. Well, listen, God has a, a, a book, and your name is written on it. And guess what? No matter what, even when you're faithless, he's what? Faithful. He's faithful. Why? Because... Because of Christ Jesus, our Lord, right? Because he perfectly obeyed the law of God and God has credited his righteousness, his, his righteousness to us, that is imputed his righteousness to us, that is in your account, in that, up under your name, up, on, up under your name, it says righteous. Why? Because of Christ. Amen? Isn't that wonderful news? That is the gospel. And that's what Paul talks about. And that's what he's talking about here. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the what? The power unto what? Salvation. Amen? And so all of this ties in with what? The grace of God. The grace of God, right? And this is the grace of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's something that God, out of his love for his people, for his elect. His chosen people, that is us, those who, have, who are in Christ. It, it is a gift unto us. And we receive it as a gift. By what? Faith. It's trusting. It's trusting that, you know what? Yes, this, I can take this to the bank. I can, 
I can rest in this. I'm, I am so positively sure that this is for me and that this is from God, that the righteousness of Christ is for me, that I can, I can take it to the bank and I can cash it in if I want to. And I know that my father is going to honor it. Right. Amen. He's going to honor it and he's going to pay us. He's going to reward us. We're going to get rewards, too. Children, did you know that for being in Christ Jesus, you're going to receive eternal rewards? That's eternal life. That you'll be eternally united with, 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 with Christ and that there will be rewards given on that day when he returns. Did you know that? Yes, it is. The Bible talks about it. It talks about the crown of life be given to all of God's people. And in those crowns, there's going to be jewels. There's going to be precious jewels that are going to be given. Right? It's sort of like in the water, right? You guys got that little crown that you put on your... You, it was in Sparky's, okay. It was in Sparky's, and you got the little jewels, and you put in the in the crown. Well, that's the same thing. They're trying to show you that you know this is similar to what's going to happen in, on the day of the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to receive war rewards, and we're going to reign with our Lord forevermore. Amen. Amen. All this is a gift from God. Point number three. Because Christians were once joined to the law of God in a marital type of relationship. In our Lord Jesus Christ, we have begun to truly love the Lord our God and other people. Amen. See, outside of Christ, yes, don't get me wrong. There, don't get me wrong. I don't want to say that, you know, because uh, you're, you're, um, that, that unbelievers can't really love one another. They can't really uh, love one another. But I'm going I'm to I'm step out. And faith and trust that according to the Bible, the Bible says that they can't truly love one another. Meaning that, yes, they do love one another. They care for one another. And sometimes they care for one another better than Christians do. But the problem is they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. They're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And so that is bad. That's bad. It's, it's, it's okay. You know, what is good is to love God for all the right reasons. And the right reasons is, as I will soon describe <clears throat> we have begun to truly love the Lord our God and others the moment that we confess that we are sinners and that the moment that we, we say yes, Lord, to, we say yes to your will and no to my will. That's the moment when we truly begin to love others, to love God and to love others. When we confess our sins unto God, when we confess that we truly are sinners, unworthy of any of the rewards of God, unworthy even of salvation itself, that is the moment that we truly love God. We are in agreement with God that we are sinners and we are only deserving of death, eternal separation from God, destruction. To be cast, as it were, into the depths of hell where there is weeping and gnashing of the teeth. teeth meaning that there is consciousness. There is a consciousness of, of a certain type. Whereby we will be experiencing, for those who are outside of Christ, will ultimately be experiencing hell itself, as it were. And so, um, that is the moment we start to truly love God. When we call on God and we we we, as it were, beg him to please forgive us when we're at a point of even tears. I don't know if you've ever been to a point of tears for, for, for sinning against God. But if you haven't, 
I pray for you. I pray that God would place it in your heart to truly sense what the, 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 the depth of our sin and, and the need for a, a, a Christ, a Savior. Amen? Amen? So, at that point, we begin to truly love the Lord our God. And this is called gratitude. Gratitude. And that, too, is a gift from God. And this is why you will experience it. And you will know without a shadow of a doubt that you are truly the Lord, that you belong to the Lord our God. Amen? And so we begin to love him when we acknowledge our sins. We begin to love him when we, we agree with his word that he is a triune God. That is, that he has revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we begin to interact with these three persons. That is, submitting to the will of God up under the Lord, our God, I mean the Lord Jesus. We submit, and we submit, when I say we submit to him, we confess that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the Christ. That he is the living Son of God. That he has come, and that he is both uh, man and God. Amen? There is no separation in this one. He's one person, but he is both man and God. Again, this is how we truly love God. By our what? Confession. How we talk about God. That we have been given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what leads us and guides us. He teaches us. He preserves us for all eternity. He is renewing us. He is, that is, he's sanctifying us from day to day. That's why for the Christian, the Christian's life is a walk that is from one day to the next. It's, and he's, he's living only in that day. He or she is living only in that day. That is, they confess that, you know what? Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised, but we have today. So we pray, Lord God, we pray that you would bless us this day. That we would, be, that we would honor you this day. That you would receive the glory. That I would, what? Decrease. And that you, Lord God, would, what? Increase in me. Amen? Amen. This is the true love of God. And that we will eventually become cheerful givers of God. That is that, listen, we don't want to only be receiving all the blessings and just keeping it to ourselves. We want to receive the blessings and do what? Give them away. Amen? It would be similar to winning the lottery. If you won a lottery, you don't want to just keep all the money in one place and say, I won the lottery and there's my money. And it's just sitting there, not gaining any interest, not giving it away. You're not spending it. Can you imagine that? Winning the lottery and never using the money? It would be foolishness, wouldn't it? So, you know, it's the same way with being in Christ. You want to you wanna be the kind of person that, you know what, I want to give of my, my abundance unto God. Amen? I want to be, I be a cheerful giver because giver. I'm, I'm so thankful for what God has done. And that I know that, you know what, all this belongs to him anyways. <laughs> so I might as well give it away, you know. And because I know, too, that one day is coming where I'm going to receive all of this and much, much more. So, you know, give it away. Amen? Amen. So let us close by remembering the following 
points. First, remember that because Christians, Christians were once joined to the law of God in a particular type of what? Marriage. We have been placed under the full authority of his law. Where? Outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, we are upon the full authority of God. That means we are accountable. We have to, we have to obey his law. And we have to obey it perfectly. Amen? Amen. This is bad, though, isn't it? We don't want that because we know that we will never be able to fully obey God's law. Never. We just don't have the ability because of our corrupt natures. Our corrupt natures, our nature is so corrupt. All we can do is bent on sin. Is sin. Just as a cat bar, uh, meows or a dog barks, we as people fallen in Adam sin. That's what sinners do. Sinners sin. We don't sin. We sin simply because what? We're sinners. That's just so we, that's what we naturally do. Secondly, understand that because Christians were once joined to the law of God in a type of marriage, in Christ Jesus, we have now been what? Separated from union to the law of God. Amen. This is the grace of God. This is, this is wonderful news, isn't it? We're no longer up under the authority of the law, but now we're up under the authority of the grace of God. That is, up under the authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We belong to him. To, to my Lord, I belong. Amen. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. Amen. Lastly, understand that because Christians were once joined to the law of God in a marital type of relationship in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have begun to truly love the Lord our God and other people. This is the heart of gratitude. Amen. So we live each day out of gratitude unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray now. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for once again reminding us that it is in Christ Jesus that we live, actively live, and, and that it was his obedience that, that you receive with favor and that you rewarded him with the resurrection from the dead. And one day too, Father, if, 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 if the Lord doesn't return, and if we are to enter into death as, as well, we too, our bodies will be resurrected. And that we will receive eventually new bodies just like his, like our Lord. And that's what you're doing with us, Father, from day to day. You're creating us and more and more into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, as always, that your will be done on in on earth as it is in heaven, that this day, Father, that we would decrease and that you would increase in us so that you will receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.